you will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. To the Scum and Villainy Podcast, I'm your host, Richard White, better known as Kelvin Tiberius. Uh, joining me today is uh, Lyle Hayhurst, better known as Sozin, the uh, ship's quartermaster. What's going on, Lyle? Not much, dude. How are you? I'm glad to hear your voice again. Uh, we've missed you. Uh, what have, have you been, like, getting supplies or something, or where, where have you been? Uh, yeah, I've basically been infiltrating the Deep Core, trying to get you some more intel on what the Imperials are up to, because it looks like they've got some uh, fancy new tech. The Rebels are running scared. The scum are hiding out. I think are you, that, are, you um, talking, are you talking about gunboats? Gunboats, baby. It's for real. Who who would think that like archaic tech like gunboats would play such a huge role in turning the tide, but... It was the best ship in TIE Fighter. Um, anyways, also joining me today is uh, Blair Bunky, better known as Scruffy, uh, the heart of the swarm, the ship's uh, janitor. What's up, Blair? What's up, sir? Blair, are uh, are you a believer in the uh, gunboat hype? Uh, I'm a believer in the harpoon hype. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get into a little bit of the meta in a, in a little bit, so... Uh, today we're going to go over uh, some of the booty section. We've got some uh, pretty cool announcements on stuff that uh, you know that we've won, and uh, then we'll get into uh, some talk about uh, the meta as we kind of pro- just uh, led that the gunboat is sort of out there and doing pretty darn well, and we just kind of want to look at what the most recent two waves have sort of done to your regional season, so you get an idea of what sort of ships you might face. And then finally, uh, The Last Jedi came out, and uh, it's generated a lot of discussion, and we're going to talk about how we felt about it, uh, talk, you know, some of the pros and cons of the movie, and just kind of jump into that, because I'm just absolutely still enthralled with the movie, and uh, this is an outlet, and I just wanted to talk about it. So uh, let's jump in to the booty section, and uh, I just want to... Should we lead with the with the us being the best, or should we uh, should we start with something else? No, let's start with that. All right. So uh, there was a uh, Reddit uh, best best of uh, uh, post asking for the best podcast, and we won. So thank you, Reddit. Uh, we think that you are the best. Also, uh, that was pretty cool. Um, and uh, so we'd like to thank everybody who listened to us and voted for us. Also pretty cool, some booty section. Blair, they voted your Formation Flying article, uh, The what was it, the best uh, strategy guide or something like that, right? Uh, I guess. I, uh, I don't you, you really know. know. I... Yeah, yeah, you won. Uh, you you're one of the best strategy article. Um, you know, a buddy of mine, one of uh, our patrons, uh, Matt Newt, was talking about how he read that article and it really uh, sort of informed his uh, f- like swarm flying. And I was thinking about uh, 
what was it, uh, a couple of years ago, remember when I was not playing as much and you were showing me how to fly your uh, five-ship Rebel list? Because I had flown something similar before, and I swear to God, like, how you arc, like, deal with your arcs and formations is pretty impressive, and I thought that uh, it was really cool to see that get recognized. Yeah, if only formation flying was still a thing, it would actually be useful knowledge. But <laughs> hey, hey, man, you seven Z95s just just all harpoon missiles all the time. Yep. Um. So anyway, so that's pretty cool. Uh. So congratulations to uh, you, Blair. Uh. Susan, uh, you got any booty uh to bring back since you've been gone for so long? Yeah. So uh, Vassal League just finished a couple weeks ago. Okay. And um, that was a lot of work. As, as some of you know, we've got nearly 400 people in Vassal League all around the world. And this is the first year that we actually uh, did prize support. So in, in previous years, the uh, Team Covenant guys actually sponsored a form of prize support in the form of uh, Range 1, Range 2, and Range 3 templates. So thank you, Team Covenant. They sponsored us for four seasons and did a great job with that prize support. This year we went all in and we just went nuts on prize support. And the reason we did that is we actually asked people for money. And the way that works is we said we set up different support tiers and starting out with five bucks and going all the way up to a hundred bucks. And if you you know, depending on what you what tier you put in at, you get various cool booty. So we've got all dark cards, we've got custom target locks that were done, we've got uh, we're doing a whole uh, template set now which is pretty awesome so we really went all in on, on doing prize support and that was a lot of work as, as you can imagine mm-hmm. and that stuff's getting starting to get done now we're in manufacturing and so everyone that's in vassal league uh, you can start looking forward to getting your booty which is pretty pretty cool i personally uh took down first place in the M Merker M Y R K R division. Is it McKear? Yeah, that's where the uh, the the big cat thing, right? Salamars, yeah, the Salamari or whatever the oh the, the anti Jedi lizards. Yeah, in the in the in the lore. Oh God, I don't know if they're lizards. They're like some kind of. I'm gonna look it up. It's gonna bother like, me if I don't know this. They're like lizards that hang out on your shoulders and stuff. Yeah, and I don't think that's right, but. Let's. I'll, I'll look that up. That's neither here nor there. You um, do that, Ricky. Anyway, so yeah, I went seven and one, which is pretty it awesome. Is a lizard. You're right. There you go. Yeah. Um, I had an eleven forty nine MOV, and uh-huh. uh, ended up actually having the second best record in the entire inner rim, right behind our man Biophysical, who went eight and zero with a just crushing MOV of thirteen seventy one. Does that mean that you guys are both going to be in the uh, in the core worlds? We are moving up to core. Yep. Where I think Blair, I think you're also stuck there too, right? You you lost your last round game and unfortunately did not make your way into the uh, the deep deep core. Yeah, I was six and one, and I could have just taken the cop out and not played my last two games and got in, but I didn't want to do it that way. And I flew one list. I flew was just kind of it's kind of a dumb list. I threw together. And I got curb stomped because of it. And then the last game, my dice just completely sucked. And that was it. But I, I won, like, three of those awards where I was thinking I was going to lie, but I forgot to put in for them. Is it too late for that? Uh, no, you can put your name in. It's okay. not too late. 
I think so what Blair's talking about here I is we I had won. a bunch of custom... Yeah, go for it, yeah. Well, yeah, there was a bunch of, like, conditions, sort of like Xbox achievements, and I I think I got the, uh, the Meta Buster, which is, like, whoever kills the most, uh, like, Dengar, Biggs, Lyric, Miranda, Contracted Scout, maybe? <laughs> and I killed, like, 13 combined, and then the other one was, like, kill... A unique pilot with a generic uh, forward arc ship, and I think I got that one. And then the other one was I think use the most different ships, and I think I got that one too. But I'll have to, uh, I'll submit it, and we'll see what happens. Nice so, job, man. Uh, so should uh, I tell you about uh, the I guess bounty I got for? I don't know if this is right. Like, there's a bounty on my head right now for the crates if you send me Horton cards. Chris sends you something, which, for the record, he has yet to say what that is. And I got friends who gave me Horton cards, so I think that we're going to have to start a rebellion until we find out what, what, what we, what, you know, the prize is. But a a guy, uh, Sam, let's see here, I think his last name is Soroskin, Sonoskin. I'm going to look it up. Anyways, he sent me a alternate art Horton card that has uh, oh, what's uh, the guy from Aqua Teen Hunger Force? Uh, who's the Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force? The neighbor, he's, yeah. Yeah, the neighbor and he's got like a, it sort of looks like a space helmet on and it's him as Horton Som. He's got that like Horton Som mustache. It's absolutely great. I'm going to put this in the show notes. Anyways, uh, the uh, pilot talent reads when attacking at range two to three, you know, it gives his pilot ability. You may reroll any of your bank results or whatever. I don't care. Right. You know, or whatever. I don't care. You know, like in anyways, uh, also it's, it has a, uh, <laughs> it's got an elite pilot talent, but it's got an explosion on it. It's just to like tease at me, but he sent me 42 of these things. Whoa. So I've got, I, I have 42 of these cards. I don't even know what to do with it. So for starters, uh, treasure table are, yeah these cards immediate uh, these cards immediately go up on uh, the treasure table because I don't need 42 of them and I'll be damned if I don't make Horton song useful to me uh, but to be fair he also sent a bunch of also cool things he did an alt art Emperor Palpatine that says once per round when your friendly ship rolls dice you may cheat a, you might cheat a little or cheat a little which is kind of funny <laughs> uh, an agency burglar card. A Trioculus card, a Dark Greetings card. Trioculus is like, uh, I guess, Hux. Um, and Agency Burglar or Saboteur. And then a Not an Idiot card, which is a card that states that if you're playing Dash, you're using his ability when you're moving, unless otherwise stated. <laughs> and you equip it to yourself. That's, so that's awesome. Uh, a bunch of pretty fun stuff like that. And then a Alt Art Omega Leader with the Alt uh, Art or the lockdown uh, name instead of uh, a mega leader. So pretty cool stuff, actually. Um, I, uh, I can't believe, like I'm happy so far. Like the, the goal was to upset me with Horton cards and I love this so far. This is great. Uh, cool. So, so there, I mean, yeah, I think, is go. it working? Have they triggered your inner Horton desire? Because I can further trigger it. No, if you man, like. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna fly Horton. He's terrible. I'm, I'm on fun boats or I'm on contracted scouts, and that's it. Okay, l- let me just tempt you a little bit, please. Okay, okay, okay. Fine, fine. All I'll right. just have a taste. I'll just have a taste. Fine. Here we go. Just so, this one. 
Chopper, the new astromech droid, who yeah. as an action, you can discard an upgrade to recover a shield. Yeah, right? so nice regen ability. Yeah, so here, here it is. It's Horton. He's got Guidance Chips, which he can ditch for a shield. Mm-hmm. He's got Bomb Loadout, which he can ditch. He's got Extra Munitions, which he can ditch. He's got the cheapest bomb you can find. I think that's the Seismics, which are three, mm-hmm. um, which you can ditch if you want. He's got the BTL A4 title, which you can also ditch for a shield. And finally, he's got Twin Laser Turret. The funnest thing about uh, the BTLA4 title, right? So, damn it. I'm already sucked into this, Lyle. Yes, it worked. All right, so here's the cool thing about that, right? So you go in as a jouster, but that's the first thing you pop. So then you start using the twin laser turret to, uh, you know, hide behind rocks and whatnot, but still shoot and totally. uh, continue to do damage. It makes a lot of sense. But the title is better if you have shots because, you know, you shoot like what three times effectively. It's It's amazing. So... Darn it. Why, why do you got to be like that? I know, dude. But I, I, I'm going to try this out in League Night because it looks like so much fun. How many points? Okay, here's here's the rub. How many points is that Horton? So 25 for Horton is base. Six is for the TLT is 31. One for Chopper is 32. Uh, two for the Extra Munitions is 34. And then three for the uh, Bomb is 37. All right, so... Is that too many points? I mean, that's... A lot of points, but I guess you have regen, right? So regen and TLT. Yep. And bombs. I mean, I don't know. That's not nothing. Anyways, what do you fly with that? A wings. <laughs> you just like hit me. Hit me real deep. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. You could probably fly maybe a ghost with it. it might be interesting to try to, you know, soak up some aggro. Um, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I've kind of fallen away from Rebels in terms of kind of a play style. So, sure. you know, it's hard for me to even conjecture what might make a good pair with Horton. I mean, with 37 points, that leaves you a lot of points to play with. I mean, I would start with just a big old ghost. Uh, Blair, talk me out of this. Still bad? It's pretty bad. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Sorry, thank you Lyle. So much. <laughs> That's a lot of regen, Blair. That's five regen. Uh, you're um, going to get... I mean, if you play triple Wookiees, you're going to do three damage before you die. If you play gunboats, you're going to die in the first turn. Like, forget about it. <laughs> all right, fine. Um. All right, so... Let's go ahead and get uh, our treasure table out of the way. We had three winners last time. We're going to do uh, two uh, two patrons this go around. Lyle, uh, I don't know if you heard the last episode, but we introduced the the loot table, the booty table, right? And we rolled we and we we started off with uh, three with three of our patrons because we thought you know like it's, it's a nice introduction, yada yada, and we go to roll for the rarity of uh, loot, and we rolled a rare three times in a row. It's going to be like the best. I don't know if we're ever going to beat that, but hopefully we can today for our patrons. So that was pretty nuts. I didn't. I don't know if we were expecting that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I saw that 
um, someone claimed the Darth Vader from you. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we had another focus one tokens. Too. Yeah. yeah, my focus tokens got claimed. I, I'm putting the uh, the link to the treasure table in the show notes. By the way, we have some amazing loot in here. If you are not a mm-hmm. patron and you want to get in on this and help a starving pirate in the outer rim addicted to glitter stem for just one dollar a month. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to roll. Let's go ahead and knock this out. Uh, so for the two patrons, uh, let's start off with the patron that uh, our current ones. Let's see here. That is 93. Doing a little percentage dice. Looks like Tyler Shaw won. Exciting. Uh, and Tyler is going to get a... Let's do another dice roll. So while you're doing this, um, how do you roll for, since I missed it, for common versus legendary versus rare? Um, so we do a, a percentage chance. It's 50% common. I think it was 35% rare. Or, no, it might be more than 50%. Let me look this up. I can actually You got this all coded in D20, right? Or roll 20? Yeah, yeah. I, I coded this into roll 20. So it's 50... Uh, 50, 35, 15, 50, 35, 13%. Cool. Um, and so anyways, Tyler got a, holy cow, he got a legendary item. Yes. All right. What do you We're think he's going to get? giving away all of the good stuff. Uh, what is your Spock lost Miranda. Yeah, that one's pretty good. Uh, there's, oh man. You got oh, my man, four Luminati uh, playtester tokens in there, which are pretty cool. Oh, man, that is nuts. All right, so let's do uh, one of our OG patrons. Uh, let's see here. Uh, basically, Lyle, I've, I've got a list of people who have been with us for a long time, and then just anyone who's a patron based on their um, based on their contribution level. But anyone who's uh, contributed over 100 bucks to us is in the OG patron uh, pool, and we like to reward people who have been listening to us for a long time. So anyways, for the OG patron, we... Uh, it looks like that's Gregory Nussbaum, Nussbaum, and he is, let's see here, going to get a, a common item. So thanks, Gregory. Uh, a lot of cool stuff in there, including uh, a shit ton of Horton Psalm alt art cards. So if you want the most freaking awesome Horton Psalm art, alt art card, just let me know. Um, anyway, so, uh, let's jump into, uh, our first topic, which is, uh, regional season. Uh, I, one of the most, uh, certainly one of the most talked about regionals was the North Carolina regionals, um, where we got to see, I think one of the better gunboat builds, uh, and Chris Allen's gunboats. Uh, but there's been a lot of changes in the in the meta, why don't you kind of run us through, uh, met, like what's kind of been changing in meta wing, uh, Lyle? Sure thing. Yeah. So I'm looking at, uh, meta wing, which sucks down all the tournament results from list juggler and the top 10 looks nothing like it looked a month ago, which is pretty interesting. So I'll run through it right quick. So, uh, right there at the top, number one is rebel Fox one which is going to be Lauric, Jess, and Miranda. Okay. Yeah, so another 
really good looking three ship rebel list. I'm not surprised this is there. Looks good. So um, what is what uh, what filter are you running uh, right now? So when you go into uh, MetaWing and click on list archetypes, he Haslo has built in kind of a default filter that effectively ranks all the different lists that are being played um, based on the number of squadrons that showed up in the in the top tournament results, the number of tournaments it was in, the average percentile result in that tournament, and then he has a score called the Magic Score, which I'm not going to try to explain, but it's his own kind of custom um, algorithm that he uses to, to rank these squads. Um, so if you just click on the List Archetypes uh, link, you'll see kind of the, the top 50, I think, maybe even more lists that are currently being played. When did the new wave come out? What what was the date on that? Uh, it was like a month ago. Blair, do you know that off the top of your head? Well, it came out the weekend after Fresno, and that was first week in just first weekend in December, I believe. So less than a month. So let's do from the first of December. Yeah, so you're kind of yeah. I had I had it starting on the uh, <clears throat> 29th of November. Twelve one. Yeah, it doesn't change much. Okay. All right. So number two, which I'm surprised. I don't know who's flying this list, but someone out there is flying it. It's uh, they call it Vazder. <laughs> and it's going to be Pure Sabak, Vader, and Quick Draw. Which looks pretty interesting. I'm surprised this is at number two. I think someone's probably spamming the results with his squad. Uh, Palpasis is back at number three. Although it's a it's a kind of a variant, and we saw at the North Carolina Regionals this made top four. In fact, all four squads that made the top four were Imperials. And this is going to be Quick Draw... Palpmobile and the Thai Inquisitor, or the Inquisitor rather, and, and the Thai Advanced. Uh, Ghost Wookie is at number four. Blair, you got to play this. I think it was who was flying at D of the Minox Squadron. Yeah, Foods against you in the top top four, and that's basically a super uh, super Lauric along with super um, Kanan, right? No, Lauric is actually pretty stripped down, I think. So it's just Super Kanan? Well, it was actually Chopper is what D had. And uh, this is this is Kanan, this variant. So, mm -hmm. or is there other variants? Yeah, there's a Chopper and a Kanan variant. Okay. Yeah. But D's was just, uh, it was mostly all in the Chopper. I think Lauric had Wookiees and... Maybe draw their fire? Mm-hmm. And Zeb was pretty stripped down, yeah. too, so, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, keep going down the list, uh, Skurg Alpha showing up at number five. That's triple Skurgs with uh, Harpoons. Which I haven't tried this list. Have either of you tried flying it? Yeah, I've, I've done a variant of it that has, which is one of the Alphas for, or one of the Skurgs for a... Uh, contracted scout and I mean it just hits hard I mean it's, there's nothing 
too complicated about it other than you hit hard and you can still sort of hang for a long time because you have a lot of hit points. So it's it all it's just good. That's I mean nothing else to say about it other than there's a lot of ways that list wins. It's, yeah, so it's I, pretty versatile. I personally don't like it because the end game is terrible. If you yeah, if you can get into yeah, the end game, you should be able to beat it. Yeah, you have to be able to keep two ships alive for you to reasonably win uh, a, a match. There's that's the one thing I don't like about uh, that that ship, and I feel like you always should run something that can win another type of game if it comes to it. It's actually oddly enough that's why I have the scout in there so I can do. Uh, uh, and a pursuit laser to if I have to do a damage or two late, uh, it, it can still function as a late game ship. Anyway. Yep. 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 And then uh, kind of rounding out the top five at number six, which I'll before we cut over and switch it to be pure new wave, is uh, the magic carpet ride for Wookies. Which, if you switch over to just the the current wave or starting from twelve, December tenth. That list shows up at number one, at the very top. Lots of people find this thing. And yeah. So, do, how how do we feel about three or four Wookies compared to three? I always thought that three was supposed to be the better one, but I mean, I guess when you add a million more hit points that can reinforce, it just makes it all the more ridiculous. It's I mean, it's hard to fly against. It's a great. It's easy to fly. I mean, I think this list is just amazing, and it would not surprise me sometime in the next year if we see the uh, that reinforced action get nerfed. So I almost hesitate uh, to ask you this, Blair, but do you think that this is the best list right now, or what? Are, what's your sort of thoughts on? I don't even know. What's your thoughts on four four uh, Wookies? <clears throat> well. From a purely objective standpoint, like I'm with Lyle. Like, if I was a betting man, I would bet something is done in the next year, at least for Lauric. I I think it was a huge mistake. I mean, just the amount of damage mitigation you get. I mean, that 180 arc was something that's designed to hunt aces, and. You know, I'm t talking before this wave dropped, before we got gunboats and everything, this was like the strongest jousting list there was. Three and four Wookiees. It would line up and joust anything. And it would out-joust basically anything. So Because nothing could do damage to it. No, and... Uh, less. I mean, uh, the crates were talking a while, like, a couple weeks ago. Chris made the point, like, I don't see why anyone doesn't just take Lauric and Miranda and whatever... Like, I just don't see why you wouldn't have taken triple Wookiees. You don't... You out-joust anything, and nothing can arc-dodge you. Like, I mean, that was a big weakness for jousters back in the day, is that you could get arc-dodge. These guys yeah, aren't getting yeah, arc-dodge. Like, you win the game. Yeah. <laughs> and right. you have control. Well, let's, you have triple tactician. Well, Go ahead, I Lyle. mean, I think w one thing to point out maybe is what's changed, and if you look at Meadowing, you'll see that, is that... Since the newest wave dropped, there is a ton of Alpha Class Star Wings in the top 10. And my theory is actually that the Alpha Class Star Wings can get behind these Wookiees because they can, they can slam, slam in to get behind it. 
Well, plus, that, they can nuke him with wait, a lot of burst damage. Yeah, yeah. The other thing is, yeah. is that sometimes reinforce doesn't matter when you're rolling, you know, a ton of red dice at something. Yes. Well, also, when you're harpooned and you're taking crits and everyone's getting hurt by that, you, you can't reinforce away harpoon missiles. I mean, well, you can, for the first yeah, shot, you lot, can. But. There's a lot of stuff that, that the gunboats do to Wookiees. I mean, uh, heavy laser cannons are good, harpoons are good, uh, even... Even if they take the cheap, like they've seen some weird tractor beam gunboats, and even those are good against uh, reinforce. I mean, it's three dice versus what one with reinforce. You can still get that often for a free shot after boosting. I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff you can do with that. Yep. Anyway, so my my theory, kind of rounding it out, is that the the gunboat is in a some form of a Wookiee counter, and that. Maybe Wookiees won't get nerfed, despite the fact that reinforcement reinforce is incredible because of the, you know, we're going to be coming into a, a gunboat meta if we're not already here. All right, so what is uh, number two? Yeah, so it's uh, three Alpha-class Star Wings with Quick Draw. Um, I thought number two was uh, two Ozatucks with T-70. Maybe I'm looking at the wrong thing. Oh, uh, no, you're right, you're right. Sorry, I, um, you're correct. What is this guy? I'm a little surprised. Lorik, uh, Poe, and Jess. Wow, yeah. Lorik, Poe, and Jess. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So it um, finished second at a regional. Huh. Yeah, and you see people are putting flight assist astromact on Jess. Yeah. Uh-huh. And Jess is just good. Lorik is just good. Poe, if you can keep him to the end game, can really hurt you. Yeah, okay, so this list, let's talk about this and, list, because it's pretty incredible. It's Poe with Black One, Advanced yeah, Black Optics. One is, Black One's the whole, is is half of the battle there. It's, it's the heart of it, yeah. yeah. Advanced advanced Optics, which is, like, incredible for Poe. Auto Thrusters, VI, and R2-D2. And then Lyric has got DTF and Ray. And then Jess has got Pattern Analyzer, Integrated, and flight astromech. Wow, that is a cool list. Mm-hmm. Look at it. Jess is super efficient points. Uh, Lorik keeps everybody alive an outrageous amount of time. As Blair or was it you just said were saying? And then Poe's got. I what I like is Black One. It does so good again. Uh, basically, keeps if your people are going to be running uh, gunboats. And the one thing about gunboats is you almost always see long range scanner, right? Black one is great for that. Like you basically can't long range scanner Poe because he's going to get rid of it, uh, whenever you try to. So even though, I mean, and that is a lot of times how these gunboats bring in these harpoon missiles is with long range scanners. And then eventually you're going to get the shot. So that effectively neuters a lot of harpoon missiles. And I suppose, I mean, who cares? You can just kill Lorik or Jess, but it keeps Poe along uh, a, a, around longer. And the longer the game goes, the more he becomes a threat to kill. Just just kill everything. So it's not terrible. I mean, I think it's super good for for a rebelist, and I think a fun one. I don't know if I could do it. I'm terrible. You know that sort of A style list. But I mean, I suppose this flies in formation for a while. I don't know. It looks a lot of fun. I haven't yeah. I haven't played against it yet, but it looks like a ton of fun. Yep. All right, so let's switch over and talk about this next list at number four. Um, and we can come back to the Chris Allen list 
um, in a second. But I want to talk about this guy. It's pretty cool. So two guys took it to North Carolina Regional, and they took top four. This is Matt Irby and Tyler Barnett. And the list is it's Kylo with title, advanced optics, advanced sensors, auto thrusters, push the limit. That's Kylo. So this is kind of the Kylo that we all predicted would we would be seeing. And then it's two row squadrons with long-range scanners, Harps and Deadeye. Um, now, that's the one that Matt flew, and then the variant on that, that Tyler flew, instead of Deadeye, has Crackshot on the rows. Okay. But otherwise, it's the same list. So, Deadeye versus Crackshot, uh, what... I like personally. I like Crackshot more because you have those long-range scanners. I suppose Deadeye does get around people who have black one, or can get yeah. rid of yeah. can countermeasures. Get rid of, yeah. yeah, so it can get around that, which is nice. Uh, and so you can always alpha whatever you want. But I think Crackshot damage-wise is. I always like to go for the thing that is the most useful most of the time. And then I'll just deal with it later. Although, and that's sometimes I feel bad about that. Like, I don't ever plan for the mirror. Um, but I, I like Crackshot personally. Yep. Uh, so, the reason... Did you want to bring that up because that's two uh, two rows and an ace? Like, because that's effectively what uh, Chris, was, Chris was running? Well, Chris had uh, three rows and an ace. Yeah, um, so... In the form of quick draw and... But, I mean, I think that, well, one, we, I guess the kind of larger point is that row, that the um, alpha class seems to be a counter to Wookiees. And mm-hmm. two, that we're seeing these cool new types of Imperial lists that emerge from that with combinations of aces and, and, and star wings. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, along with kind of palp aces coming back and, you know, the guys that are, have flown palp aces for a long time have been kind of licking their chops, ready for that to come back. I kind of feel like you know that the designers have done a good job bringing Imperials back. I I love the gunboats. I've had a lot of fun with them. I do think that I think the running the three news with harpoons and long range scanner and then a uh, and and then quick draw. I think is I like the low cost news, and that's something that I'm starting to try and plan for because Blair was saying it and he's absolutely right I mean harpoons are outrageously good I mean that's I mean that was basically what you said helped you win your region or not win to get second in the regional uh Blair is uh you know just the power of harpoons right Eh, sort of I kind of feel like conk would have been arguably as good simply because you're not killing your own dudes you had so many dudes that could yeah, <laughs> but so so the reason I like the news though is they they on the first turn they joust you know ninety five percent is good but you have an extra one and then they only cost twenty two points whereas your stand where the sort of loaded row squadron vets you, you kind of it kind of hurts a little bit more to lose one right so you you're trying not to lose them as much maybe you're not as aggressive with them. Whereas the news costs something like 22 points, so you can block with them, you can be hyper-aggressive. And the thing is, is if you're blocking, you can reload, or you can potentially slam, and then you have the opportunity to uh, you know, not get shot. There's a lot of 
I don't know. It's there's a lot of really fun things you can do with slam and a blocker, and that's really fun. And when they're cheaper, I guess you can be a little bit more aggressive with them. And so I like that. Also, they're lower pilot skills. So I'm really trying to work some of those ships into my list right now. Um, I'll let you know what I come up with. I've got something with Inquisitor, but I just think that that's my favorite version of them now. Although I like running. HLC boats too. Anyways, I love gunboats, so I shouldn't uh, dive too deep into this. But uh, what have you guys seen of Blair? What have you seen online with uh, gunboats? I mean, what do you sort of uh, think about them? Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot online. I've played Karsabi some and had some fun with him, but it just—I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about them, and I think. A lot of the prevailing thought is that they are, they have kind of been a bit, quote unquote, of a savior of the game because arcs are mattering again now with them. And it, we're getting away from the slap fights that we had with the Wookiees. And that is a good thing. I, I still just can't get over harpoons, though. I just, I, I, I don't know how reload that... Is pretty, reload is pretty crazy with harpoons, too. I know that for a fact. Yeah, reload's fine. It's just... I just... I don't understand how... If it wasn't for the splash, I would be fine with it. I just... I don't understand how that gets through. The only thought I can come up with is that... The playtesters aren't playing swarms anymore. Because no one plays swarms anymore. And so the, the idea is that... It kills swarms. They probably were all just like, "Well, screw it." Like, I don't fly swarms anyway, so I don't care. So, sure, let's let's make a good assault missile. So, sorry for. I'm I not, mean, this is a bad. Blair, I know, but, but I just, I'm. I would. I would be okay with them, except for the freaking harpoons. I just do not understand how that card gets released. So. Okay, how about this, Blair? What if they found out in playtestings that Wookies were a massive menace, and that. You I've needed heard that argument, to, and to I've heard a lot them. of people say, like, they're good because it kills off all these abusive Lauric combos. But I think that's just an example where the medicine is worse than disease. I think a much better solution would just be to do something about Lauric already. I mean, I've heard so many people complain about Wookiees and particularly Lauric. About he's just abusive, and if you you pair him with so many ships like Miranda, it just becomes overpowered. I mean, I think a much better solution would just be to just do something about that already, in my opinion. So, Lyle, I would be remiss. I know we were talking about gunboats and aces, like, you know, the double rows and an ace. I would be remiss to not uh, bring up Tyler's point, because he's not here. Uh, But he was mentioning that he, I think his take is that he thinks that this is probably unsurprising, but he thinks that a cruise missile Vader is the best ace to bring with with Rose, and he I think he likes HLC boat uh, Rose with Vader. Yeah, and, yeah, he uh, totally convinced me to fly that in Fast League, and it was awesome, really fun to fly. Yeah, oh, really. So you got to fly it. How did that go? I've I've done it. No, I have done it. I've done it twice. I was okay at it. I got Vader killed both times. Uh, but I got the cruise missile off both times, so that's not terrible, I guess. Yeah, I think the thing about flying Vader, and that Tyler obviously has a lot of experience flying Vader, is that you have to be really careful with him because he he doesn't have auto thrusters, and 
he can't token as hard as Soonter, and he doesn't have as many as much health as someone like Quickdraw. And so while there is probably a very good argument that Vader is your best ace there, I think that's only true for people that flies fly him like Tyler do and have his most practice with, with Vader. I think so that's maybe what, five percent, four percent of the X Men yeah. population. For everyone yeah. else, just like Quick Draw. He's easier to fly, or she's easier to fly. And or or the silencer with the advanced sensors and or a silencer. Do whatever you want. Yeah. You do yeah. whatever maneuver you want, effectively. Yeah. I mean Vader's a specialty item. Who's awesome? And I, I personally love flying him. I think he's great. Um, but I like flying Sunter too, so yeah, I've been looking for a Soontier uh, gunboat list, and none of them really sing to me. I just like Soontier, the the so few hit points scare the scares the crap out of me. Yeah, I mean, you kind of want Anyways, Palpatine, Palpatine in there potentially, or something else that can distract people away from Soontier. Um Yeah, but you know, I think Tyler is. I mean, I'd like to see him fly it. He probably won't, but. Because he's you know, hey, still, he still he in love with. Buy, he said he went to go buy a gunboat and a silencer. I was talking. Oh really? About okay, guns. cool. Yes. Yeah, so nice. he actually Tyler, who buys like no X-wing anymore. He just like flies his old stuff and tries to like figure his way out for cards. Like actually bought three. Is going to try and buy like uh, two gunboats and a silencer. I think one reason cool. anyway, Quick Draw works so well with that is because it's already such a devastating alpha as it is. And you want to get quick draw off the board early, but if you shoot him, you're just compounding that alpha even more and taking more damage on that first turn of shooting. And the other thing is that with all these bodies, if you're bringing three gunboats, it gets hard to maneuver that ace in there without him getting blocked. Quick draw doesn't care so much that he gets blocked because he's usually leaning on FCS and frame and his ability for all those mods where it's someone like Soonter with all those bodies on the board. It, if he can get blocked one time, he's done because he doesn't have palp to save him. So I think that's one reason why quick draws having a lot of success is that ace in that. Board. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. He's more forgiving with lots of ships on the board. So let's talk about, uh, the new palp bases just because that's the next one on our list. Right. Um, so is that coming back because, of, I guess as a response to the gunboat where you've got all these arced ships and you can still sort of out, you know, uh, arc dodge them enough and then palp your way through enough like one-on-one jousts that you can sort of knife fight your way to victory. Is that why these are back or is it just Duncan Howard's good and flies this list? I mean, I don't know. Like, I never liked flying palp aces because... It it always felt like like I was being a coward. I would it would take me forever to get anything done, and I would always just run away whenever anything bad looked like it was happening, and I would just grind people out with like running away cowardly behavior, which which granted is not a bad way to fly. I mean, if you watch Nathan fly his stuff, that's how he flies as well. It's an extremely sophisticated way of flying X wing, and I think the top players have embraced that style. That said. I don't really like flying that way. I find it boring and you know, I like mixing it up and getting in there and like, you know, taking the gloves off and and you know, ha- having things get messy. So, I think it's probably the second thing you said, which is that certain types of elite players like Duncan 
are very used to that type of style and fly it very well. But it's not the sort of style that I think you can give, you know, 90, 95% of the X-Wing population and expect them to do well with it. All right. So let's jump into the next uh, one on the list, which I think is this one's really interesting. A row squadron with VI and a harpoon, quick draw and Vader, sort of a counter to killing you know, these gunboats before they shoot, especially, you know, pointing at those rows. Uh, what do we think about... I think that this sort of can get killed pretty quick. I mean, what do we think about this combo? I mean, I like it, though. It's obviously doing okay. Yeah, it's cool. I think that it's one of those things that as the alpha boat meta progresses, we'll see more and more people taking PS bids. It'll start with adaptability, and then once you can't do adaptability anymore, it'll progress to VI, and you know that's where it'll stop. And you know things like this kind of speak to that that you know people are starting to anticipate that they're going to need to have PS bids to fly against gunboats. Uh, so let's move on to the the next one. Are we, are we just going to do the top ten? I mean, I don't know. We're at, we're at six now. We're going to do the top ten probably. I mean, I think we've probably covered it enough, but if you want to keep going, we can. Uh, yeah, it's most of this old meta stuff. I mean, that's... I Okay, so here's the thing, right? Um, that is the top six in the meta. Everything underneath that is old meta stuff. So the new... Uh, specifically, the gunboats has just absolutely taken over uh, the meta. And I think that's... Uh, super i don't know exciting i like that chip a lot uh i think that it also dies pretty quick just from experience i've gotten those things shot down a lot now i think if you're good with your slams it can be super helpful but it i mean it, it is they're not hard to kill i mean all that being said i mean seven hit points with uh, two agility is as an a-wing player that i gotta tell you guys that like really hurts it costs like one more point than an a-wing and it's way better. And that's sad. Anyway, so, um, yeah, okay, so do you guys want to just shoot? Should, should we get into our main topic? Should we get into Last Jedi? Yeah, baby. All right, so let's, uh, we've, we, the three of us have seen it. Uh, let's go ahead and warn everybody. If you've not seen the movie, just stop now. We're going to talk about it from here on out. Uh, and thanks for listening. If you don't care, we're going to do spoilers from here on forward, so don't blame us. We did warn you. Uh, the three of us have seen it. Blair, you saw it today, so let me start with you since you're the freshest. Um, Lyle, have you, have you seen it one time, two times? I've seen it once. Yeah, just once. Okay, so Blair, you're the freshest in the mind. There's been, I don't know, what did you think of the movie? Oh, yeah, there's, oh, God, I I was we'll get into the we'll get into the controversy of it in a minute. But what what did you think? I was trying so hard. So this is like almost 3 weeks since it's been released. I've been trying so hard to stay off the internet. And even then I've just been seeing like so many threads about I mean so much whatever you want to call it, controversy. Uh so I already kind of went into the movie just with that in the back of my head, but I, you know, I felt like like any Star Wars movie, there is some good, some bad. 
I guess I'll just list my my big bad and my big good. For me, uh, the big good, <coughs> excuse me, was so after the Force Awakens, like so many people were complaining about the plot, how it was sort of just a ripoff of the first trilogy, which it kind of was, and in this film. I felt like they definitely went away from that and that I really it definitely took me for a couple of turns that I didn't see coming and it was even though there were some similarities I felt like it was a pretty new Star Wars movie in terms of the overall plot line and I felt like they were kind of they kind of did an okay job of setting up the final film, because there's still a lot up in the air with that. They kind of went away from just the, the whole Empire Spikes Back. So I felt like that was I felt like that was a plus. The thing that really killed me was just the amount of stuff that just went against conventional Star Wars wisdom. I mean, so many things. And I know, I know Star Wars movies are, I know they say they're meant for kids, and I know they've always had plot holes, but man, did this one have a lot, and it got, it just got more cringy and more hard to stomach. It's, I mean, right from the start, when Poe was, like, going at that fleet of Star Destroyers, and he basically, like, crank calls them to, like, buy the fleet time, and Hux is sitting there talking to him. Saying, like, he's, he says, like, we're gonna kill you, there's no negotiation, you're dead. There, he basically says, like, there's no point in talking to him. So it's like, why do you answer the damn phone? Just kill him! He was monologuing, dude. What he was monologuing. about? I Just kill him. And then, of course, the general is like, we can't hit him, we don't have any fighters deployed, like... I, you, did you not know? You saw him flying at you for, like, three minutes! Like, did you did you not know this ahead of time? Why are the fighters yeah, not deployed already? Do you remember Star Killer Base when he blew up your base? God. <laughs> like, do you not remember the Death Star when the exact same thing happened like thirty years ago when you had to deploy the fighter? Uh So and then it just kept going on. I mean, there are so many things that were just like, God damn. Uh, so I don't want to get into them all, but I mean. The ship, the okay, ship, so I'm gonna hold go, on, one, I'm gonna one, get one more into thing, the stuff, ship yeah. going into hyperspace and taking out the Star Destroyer, like, that was such, like, a big thing that we've never seen before. I thought it was, I thought that was one of the best scenes in the entire But movie. it's like, why do you not take one of the ships and have that do it earlier? Like, if you can No, you just do it with droids, dude. You take big, oh, shitty okay, ships, okay. put droids on them, good to go. Okay, so I'm gonna get into this maybe a little bit later, but yeah, one here's the here's something. But to, I guess to, I wanna I wanna talk about that really quick. For me, okay, okay, maybe go ahead. <laughs> I'll, I'll cover this later. I've okay. got takes on this though. Yeah. So Blair, is that you want to keep going or can I give my uh yeah. my top oh, level yeah, so, view? Yeah, he gave his bad. What did you so? But what did you think was uh what, what did you like? Yeah. Well, like I said, I liked how they kind of took the plot and, you know, it was very apparent that Ryan Johnson 
kind of wanted to make his mark on the film, but I mean, did you guys see the interview Mark Hamill gave when he was talking about the direction yeah, they went with Luke? Yeah, but you know that you know that uh, he uh, in the end, like he's come to say, like he really appreciated. It's just like early, he had his own thoughts on how the how the character would go, etc. And just because Mark Hamill disagrees doesn't mean that Mark Hamill's right. I know. Like, just because he's yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, but like, and then the end, they, Ricky, in the end they he said up, that he's really appreciated the choice. So many things, like that, the dramatic moment at the end of the Force Awakens and Ray's holding the lightsaber out. I mean, I feel like that mm-hmm. was such an iconic moment. And then he just tosses it like, "Screw this!" I thought that that was. I thought that was. Why awesome. does he make the map if he doesn't want to be found? Why do you leave us a map to find you? I don't get it. <laughs> Uh, I don't understand that part. It's like the drama queen when, like, they don't, they, like, want someone to ask them how they're feeling, but really, they, uh, I just didn't understand that. And that was what, and I was with Hamill when he said, like, he's like, Luke would not give up like this. Like, Luke, he was willing to, like, die, like, let the Emperor kill him. Just because he thought there was, like, a sliver of good left in Darth Vader, and he thought that there was just the smallest chance he could redeem him and bring him back. He was willing to go die because of that. And and then he goes to Kylo, and he, like, sees it like, oh, he's already going evil, because I can see inside him. Screw it. I'm just going to kill him. Like, that was... I mean, they went so away from what Luke Skywalker was in the original trilogy. So... And I mean, for better or for worse, you know, like, good on Ryan Johnson for wanting to make his mark, but, man, I felt like they really, like, I felt like they really took a gamble in going, like, so hard in the opposite direction, and I just didn't really feel like it paid off. All right, Lyle, what did you think? So, I walked out from that movie really happy and loving it, and... Even though I knew there was a bunch of stuff in it that was stupid. Like, you know, them hyperdriving a ship into, you know, into the, the First Order fleet was dumb. A lot of the humor I thought was kind of silly and didn't really ring true for me. But despite all that, I thought it was like really big and beautiful and messy and, and fun. Like, at no point in the movie was, even though like I had to suspend my disbelief a bit, did I was I annoyed with it and this is completely different than how I felt about Force Awakens I walked out of Force Awakens feeling manipulated and feeling like they had basically were just you know like a a whole bunch of people had sat down and written a story that was meant to maximize or max, maximize you know their profit margin whereas the new movie actually took a bunch of risks it went in different directions and yeah, it didn't always work, and it was kind of messy, but it was really fun, and I enjoyed it. So that's kind of like my hot take. I think specifically stuff I liked, I thought the fight scenes were awesome. Like, every all the big space battle scenes were just visually gorgeous. I mean, that that scene with the bombers, with, like, you know, where the chai fighter flies into the one bomber's uh, bomb bay, and they all start to disintegrate together, I, that was really cool, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved it. It was fun. I thought that... Uh, you know, the whole montage with Ray and Luke sort of very, you know, harkened back to a lot of old 
Japanese type movies where the you know the mentor doesn't want to teach the uh, the student and they have to you know there's this kind of whole training montage where they the the student finally wears the mentor down and convinces convinces them to to teach him. I really like the scene with Yoda where Yoda destroyed the uh, the old Jedi books and laughed about it. That was just hilarious. That was one of my favorite scenes. Any scene involving Mark Hamill was one of my favorite scenes. Yeah, so did you know he, Mark Hamill was actually, he was the, remember the scene in the casino where the little dude was putting coins in BB-8? <laughs> that that was Mark yes. Hamill. That was Mark Hamill in, in the, uh, the dot suit. Um, That's hilarious. And that was a, a BB-8 that was like built really huge. So, I mean, it was a huge BB-8, and that was a normal-sized Mark Hamill in the suit. Um, <laughs> he, like, I I was really impressed with his acting. I'll, yeah, like, me I'll too. My me too. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, lo- I loved his acting. Let's see. I mean, what else? I mean, I thought that the end scene with Hamill, you know, kind of force-projecting his ghost, you know, halfway across the galaxy was very cool. I didn't see it coming. It surprised me, and I liked it. And and yeah. that it that it killed him in the end that the exertion was so much that he basically died I thought was pretty fitting. Um, I I uh, love and, and they and you know do you know that they uh, they foreshadowed that with uh, Kylo Ren he said uh, to Ray when they saw each other that she couldn't be doing that because the force would kill her like the the effort would kill her. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, let's see. I really liked the uh, that fight scene in the throne room where. You know, first they killed Snoke, and then they took out all those guards. I thought that scene was, for me, kind of the centerpiece of the movie, sort of culminating with Kylo and Rey both fighting over that lightsaber. Uh, I mean, that that whole scene just blew me away. I was a little disappointed that Snoke died so easily. You know, I wanted to... I mean, I guess a lot of the Star Wars nerds are like, we want more backstory, but, you know, if you look at a lot of the Star Wars movie, there, the original trilogy, there wasn't a lot of backstory. We got very little backstory in Palpatine. And you know, no one cried about it. Um, I'm going almost... to get into that here in a little bit when it comes to why that bothers us. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. And, and sort of the controversy of that movie, or of the movie. All right. So let's. So yeah, I'll, and that, I'll, that's I'll... it. That, that's my final yeah. take. Yeah, um, I liked it. I'm willing to forgive it because I felt it was doing its own thing, and that thing was cool. And I'm willing so... to move on with Star Wars. Like old Star Wars is dead. Long live new Star Wars. Uh, that was one of my favorite things of the movie was that was such a that was a point that they were absolutely making was old Star Wars is dead this is the new Star Wars but here's and and I go back and forth on this a little bit but here's I, I loved the movie in the end it was some of the highs of this movie some of the best parts of this movie were the best Star Wars like some of the best scenes in Star Wars I think uh, some of the scenes between Kylo and Rey, uh, a lot of the stuff that Mark Hamill did and his acting was just really, really good. Um, anything with involving Kylo was just really, really good. And I thought that though, and and then obviously Yoda, the Yoda scene was good. Basically, anything that concentrated on those characters was some of the best acting and some of the most moving portions of Star Wars. And I like that it ex- explored, you know what it means to be a Jedi, what it means to be a force user, what, what it added a lot of mysticism back into star Wars and a lot of, I don't know, just like sort of that feeling back in. And it was really well acted and it was just really, really good. I loved that. And I didn't necessarily love the plot holes, but the problem for me, the thing for me is I can look, I can overlook that, 
that stuff to a point. If you're going to give me, you know, that other really well acted parts, like I can get through it. But I definitely didn't love the Canto Bright section. There was there were some parts that I didn't like, you know, with um, the fleet and all of that. I think that a lot of that could have been redone. But even then, there was so many. There's so much good in this movie that um, I think that you know. And it, there's so much. That, that we we often like look back at at Star Wars and and with like rose colored glasses because of what it meant to us. And when it comes to like thinking about film, like I don't necessarily have that problem as much as I love Star Wars the setting. Like, and I, I I'm gonna posit a theory here and I want you guys' take on this. Um, one of the, I think there's a lot of let's jump into I guess the controversy first or at least I'm going to preface with there's been a lot of disagreements on on Star Wars or on between Star Wars fans about this movie. Uh, uh, critics love it generally. I think they had like something like a 90 plus certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes but there was it was like fifty three percent rated by fans, and uh, you know even and even that's been refuted because apparently someone cared so much to downvote this that he created a bot to downvote the movie and um, it, it's outrageous like how sort of like divided this movie is uh, between Star Wars fans and I think that primarily most people tend to like the movie but there's a very vocal group of people who don't like. Uh, they didn't like The Last Jedi for a lot of different reasons. And I actually think it's not just one reason. I think that there's been a lot of people who say stuff like, you know, uh, you know, if you're a Star Wars, old Star Wars fanboy who can't look past the original trilogy, you don't like the movie. If uh, I've seen stuff like you like all alt writers didn't like this movie and you're, you know, you're only an alt writer if you didn't like it, you know, um, and a lot of sort of weird conjecture. And I think that there's a lot, there's a bigger Venn diagram of reasons people did or didn't like that movie. And I want to kind of jump into one that I think is, I haven't really talked about a lot, but I have a theory about, which is if uh, there are people that I, that prefer Star Wars, the setting to Star Wars, the movie or to a good movie experience. And, they want Star Wars, the setting, more than they want the movie. And, and people who prefer the setting and logic and plot, and, and, and you know, logic within the setting didn't like the movie, but if people wanted a good movie experience, they did, I guess? I mean, does that make sense at all? I, I think it does, but and you're actually, I think, going on a very much deeper tangent than the reason why a lot of people mm. probably were bothered by this movie. I mean, and... I mean, I think to kind of brief, briefly enumerate that stuff, it's it was very progressive in terms of the, the cast. I mean, if you look at kind of Star Wars, it was basically a lot of white dudes, whereas the, the new movie was very progressive. And you're, you're actually seeing a lot of, like, idiot behavior as a result of that. I think that's one. Two, like, the jokes were kind of, like... It wasn't, like, the kind of vaudeville style of Star Wars. It was, like, kind of silly. I mean, it had a Your Mom joke in it. <laughs> I mean, three. The movie didn't give a crap about your fan theories. It didn't try to like. I liked that though. Yeah, I really. I, that was one of my favorite things about the movie is 
I, for starters, I think it's great that uh, Ray didn't have uh, famous parents. I think that the theme of there will always be a Jedi um, is, you know, I, I like that. It, it kind of tells you that. So I've always disagreed with the fact that they even included the old characters to begin with, because uh, to Blair's point, Luke Skywalker was willing to die for his father, right? And I think that the second you bring that character back, you kind of destroy that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because here's the thing, Luke can't be that person and have an interesting movie at the same time, right? Luke has to serve as if you want you know these new people to be new characters right um and so luke has to be uh if you're going to use him he's got to be the yoda obi-wan you know cranky old master guy mm-hmm. and it, it kind of refutes i mean to be that he has to i don't know so i i wouldn't I, w- I wish they didn't use them at all but if they do they have to be effectively new characters they have to play a new trope than what they were in the previous movies and i don't know right well yeah and that's what i was hoping that the previous movie would have done that that's what we would have had with Mm -hmm. um force awakens Mm -hmm. and it wasn't and i like the fact that like they were they were just saying screw it we're enough of the sith enough of the jedi we're dumping all that old stuff we're not going to give. We're not going to indulge in all these crazy backstories. We're starting on a new path for Star Wars, and if you think about it, they're going to pump out like tons more movies, right? I mean, the Star Wars machine is going to keep rolling on, and if they had to keep going back and redoing all the old Star movies over and over again, I think that like they would basically, for me, that would just ruin Star Wars. They'd at be just some, at some point you're going to get. Uh, well, it's for them, for Disney, at some point you're going to get diminished returns. Uh, you've got to be able to do new things. Yeah, I mean, they want to keep the zombie going. They've got to. They've got to start with some fresh new material. And can can I kind of get into? So Blair, you were uh, you know I was talking. So I was talking earlier about that uh, setting versus movie thing. And I think Blair, your point about the Holdo maneuver is sort of exactly the crux of that, right? the thought of why haven't they done this before that easily would be the, you know, most common, uh, most common tactic for destroying other starships would be to just hyperspace into them with, like you said, Lyle, a droid brain. Yeah. You you Um, wouldn't have fleet to fleet combat if that was possible. It just wouldn't be mm -hmm. a thing. And that, that bothers me. It's very lazy of them. I mean, Mm -hmm. and the fix was so simple. All they had to do was have her fly her ship in front of the firing line and get destroyed while the pods all escaped the planet. Done. Yeah, so... so I, I And in the end, setting-wise, I do agree with you, but movie-wise, I don't care because the shot was amazing. Amazing! Like, the black and white, the fact that it went silent, uh, the sort of, like, quick, like... You could just see, like, that sort of silhouette of like star destroyers being destroyed Mm -hmm. i thought that was so beautiful that i don't care it was like such a good shot that i don't care about the backstory of it i'm just gonna deal with it star wars doesn't make sense anyways right well i think this kind of comes back to your larger point which is that a lot of the mm -hmm. people that are holding on to what star wars is or was are going to be super annoyed by that Mm -hmm. because they're looking for consistency yeah in, in a setting they care more about the setting I don't know. Um, yep. So, so I, well, let's ask Blair. Blair, I mean, 
what's more important to you, the setting or you know the fact that they threw in this awesome visual twist to kind of you know make the movie you know more spectacular? Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful moment, Ricky. Like the the theater, like the adults, it was like stunned silence. It was a very yeah, because it's just. Because it's such a moving shot, that's what that's what that's what gets me. But I get that that doesn't make any sense for Star Wars. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, there's at some point the amount of plot holes that it just starts to build and build and build. And at what point is like, you know, I just can't take this seriously anymore. There's just you've you guys have gone so, back on so many things now. It's like, what the hell am I even supposed to believe here? And so here's something that that bothers me uh, that is a plot hole that I'll even this is from someone who loves the movie. Right. So they're talking that for starters, they did techno babble, which sucks. Right. They did the Star Trek techno babble hyperspace tracking and, and they had to spend like a good two, three minutes to explain that. And no one needs that. And this isn't Star Trek, but they've already established that Ray and Leia can find each other with their little wrist watches that they have mm-hmm. so why isn't so they don't even the fact that they've already established that they could track that way why isn't that like why isn't why aren't they going through their ship to look for a tracker or something like that it's like nope they can track us now totally it's not an extra wristwatch that you know that hux has on a secret spy somewhere that seems like the most logical thing you would do if they're tracking you right and you know this technology exists i don't know so that super bothered me and i can get past it but that is a real thing right there are like honest to god real holes in this movie but there's so many moving moments that it's sort of like this push-pull between people who want a I guess it's. I guess it's like a floor ceiling type thing. Do you want a really high ceiling? Do you like the high ceilings of the movie, but can get past the floors, or is it like some of the things about the plot holes and maybe humor that doesn't always land? That what is it about that floor that you can't get past to enjoy the other part? Yeah. Of the movie? So, uh, Ryan Johnson probably the, the other most notable film he did was Looper, and mm-hmm. or Brick. Yeah. I haven't seen Brick, but I have seen Looper. And that Looper had tons of holes. Plot. I mean, anytime you do a time travel movie, it's going to have tons of plot holes. I still thought that was a great film. So, but for me, like, Star Wars, you know, I'm not an expert film critic, but from what I've read, the original trilogy was never really lauded as great cinema or a great film. It was really that no one had ever done a space adventure movie on that scale is what made it so popular. Like, when I asked my dad, when he watched it back in the day, he said that first shot when you see the Star Destroyer come in, he was like, no one had ever done anything like that, ever. I think that that is one of the greatest shots in cinematic history because it tells you everything you need to know about the setup of the movie without telling you anything. Mm -hmm. There is this tiny ship that has almost no defenses versus the super long ship that you keep thinking is going to end, but keeps getting bigger yep. and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it just shows the disparity between mm-hmm. uh, the two uh, forces. Yeah. And one is, and I love that shot. It's one of my favorite yeah. shots in movie history. So, yeah, I've, I'm more of the, uh, the lore guy. I just like, 
I like the universe and that was created by George Lucas more than the movies themselves. But, you know, I can I can get plat I mean, Finn like what was the point of Finn even being in the film? He literally contributed nothing to the plot. Everything that he did... No, 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 no. Hold up, hold up, hold up. He did contribute to the plot. He got a lot of people killed <laughs> uh, by trusting DJ. That was, uh, his, that was his contribution, was to get a lot of good so, people So yeah, I didn't, I didn't know... Box. You guys probably knew that this. That was his job. I didn't know this, but this film hadn't even been written by the time they had finished force awakens or finished filming it yeah i thought it was already all said and done uh it it just felt like it was being written as the movie progressed it just felt like rushed and they didn't really know which direction they wanted to go it it just kind of felt like lazy writing you see i don't i don't that's the the problem is is that they didn't know what was exactly right they don't know they didn't know what was going to happen at the end of force awakens i mean they they had less of an idea it was right written while they were filming it so unlike empire where i mean empire was released how many years after uh a new hope three Uh, years three four three three right three years right so uh they had a full year to figure out uh or at least a good six, seven months to see what people liked about Star Wars and come up with a uh, an idea of what was going to happen next. I mean, I don't care if Lucas said that he had a trilogy written. I mean, that probably went through so many dang changes. Um, and I, I do. It does feel like Ryan Johnson just tossed away a lot of the decisions that the force awakens made and the original trilogy made. I liked that it did that because I guess to Lyle's point, I also didn't. The thing about the force awakens is I did feel manipulated. I loved the characters, but everything about the plot and what they did with those characters felt like they were just saying, this is a star Wars movie. Look at this star Wars movie. Yeah. And look, it, it and, was and and this, and this one at least seen they, I feel like they, I don't know, they challenged the characters a little bit, um, and I. Well, not just the, the characters; theme. they challenged Star Wars itself. Yeah, and I feel like the theme of failure was really interesting. I liked that a lot. You know, this isn't going to go the way you think. Uh, you know, kill the. Uh, you know, forget the past. Kill it if you have to. A lot of that stuff. I, I mean, I really liked. It's just that there were some plot holes, and I, I'm not gonna get, I'm not gonna deny those at all. I'm not gonna be one of those people that's just like this all makes sense. Although I think there are a lot of things that people nitpick on that isn't fair. Like for example, Holdo could have just told Poe the plan, and not a lot of people would die. That doesn't bother me. I don't know why she would tell Poe the plan when Poe just got demoted by her friend. You know, like. Leia just demoted this guy because he doesn't listen to orders, right? And you've got this super secret plan. You don't know how they're tracking you. So you're going to not tell anybody and try and escape onto crate. And not telling him makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know why that's like a criticism of the movie. There are way bigger plot holes that we were talking about already. That's not necessarily a, a big deal to me. 
so I guess uh, I think we should mention another one of the things that uh, gets talked about a lot, which is the the Mary Leia, the Mary Poppins Leia in space. I don't. I wish they would have shown her using the Force in a different way because I just thought it was a bad shot. I just thought it didn't look good. And if you're gonna if you're gonna go for that, it better look good. Uh, Lyle, did you like that at all? I still thought that was silly. And I and like I said, I even liked the movie. And I thought it was silly. I mean, I thought that like one, she was dead, and that that was gonna be it. That was mm-hmm. like her exit for the movie, and that it was a really fitting ending. That like at the very moment that her son decided to spare her life, quick draw and back draft killed her. Right? Like yeah. I mean. I was like, yeah, cool. This is like an excellent scene. This it's a fitting death for Leia. And then when she flew back in, I was like, oh, okay, well, all right. I guess, I guess, I wasn't happy with it to be no. honest. No way. I, I I groaned a little inside when she even flew back like in Jedi like aren't supposed to be able to survive in the vacuum of space. And yeah, hold up, hold up, hold up. Who cares? They show off new Jedi powers every <laughs> single movie. That's like Luke said. The Force right? is mysterious. It's not just a power. I mean, you know, you know. Yeah, so so they don't show Force show. Okay, so they do Force choking, but they don't actually show levitation until the second movie. They show Force lightning in the third. In uh, the new movies, they show Force speed. Laser force holding. Show. Yeah, no, no. And I'm talking, yeah, in the sequels, they show laser holding. Uh, there's new force powers every single movie. I'm not bothered by a new power, discovered force power. Um, not really. But she's not a Jedi. She's just like has. Sure, she is. Sure, uh... she is. She's, she's 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 Luke's sister. You don't think that this is the thing? All right. So, like, I expect things to evolve and change in 30 years of Star Wars history. Right. I don't expect Luke to literally just get frozen in carbonite after. Luke and Leia to get frozen in carbonite after the movies and then show up um, once the new movies start. I expect them to go through 30 years of experiences that mold them into whatever trope they need to be for the new characters. And I mean, think about it. She had 30 years. I guarantee you she picked up some Jedi powers and she should be as strong as Luke is or like by potential, right? Yeah, I think that's kind of a stretch. But just because you're family, I mean, that's never been proven in the lore that that they're that, that they're family that we know that she uses force powers we know that she's like force sensitive but mm-hmm. eh. and she just doesn't like she's hanging out with luke running the galaxy and she's never like oh yo can you teach me how to move stuff well and i mean you guys have read the um you know the the real trilogy that comes after star wars um timothy zahn and um What's it called? Yeah, uh, Heir of the Empire. I mean, she did in that, but but that's not that's legends now. That's not real canon. Yeah, but I know. But I'm just saying, when I read those books and she was exhibiting force powers, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, there is another, right? I mean, Yoda said it. Mm-hmm. There is another. If Luke dies, Yoda was confident that Leia could be turned into a powerful Jedi. Like, mm-hmm. and if Yoda's gonna say it, it's good enough for me, I mean, yeah, I was just. I was really expecting there to be some closure. I mean, not only from that scene, but then I was thinking the next scene that she was going to take command of the ship somehow, and she was going to be the one to sacrifice herself, as opposed to uh, 
Yeah, I thought that would have been a great send-off. Also, you get Laura Dern, who I think is amazing. I just want to see her act in everything. So, I wasn't... I, I, I was happy to see her in the movie, and when she died, I was super sad. Yeah. I felt like she was... I felt like she was... Yeah, she's a great actor. I felt like it would have been a, the right decision to... Because now, I don't know how they're going to write that in, and any way they do write that in, I don't think it's going to be as good as doing an actual send-off on screen, you know? I know it would have been hard to do, but I, I, I think they probably could have worked that in. I just don't think it's going to be... I mean, what are they going to do? Are they just going to explain at the intro that she just died? I don't know. Uh, I do hope that they do a little bit of a time jump. I didn't like that they did back-to-back. Although, I guess you have to with, you know, the racing, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I, I actually like the fact that the rebellion is now literally inside the Millennium Falcon. No, no, it's, it's, it's That's kind of cool, or the resistance, the resistance rather. Yeah, first order. Like I, keep, I do this all the time too. I, I keep calling the first order the Empire because just you know, I guess inertia. Mm -hmm. I mean, <coughs> but it's cool though, right? They're all packed into that one ship. I mean, like I don't know. I liked it. The, I was pleased with the ending and how it finished up. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so let me ask you guys, taking on a lighter note, um, Porgs, yay or nay? <laughs> Did you like how, like, the one scene Chewie has is just, like, cooking one of them? Like, really? Two of them, actually. Yeah. Two of them. so good. That's all he gets is he just, all right. Well, I mean, Chewie did some great flying in this movie. I mean, he was flying like a PS9. He was. He was legit PS9. <laughs> oh. Taking on that whole scene. I like the I like the porgs too. I thought I was going to hate them, but I think the porgs, that big creature that milk, you know, that Luke was milking. <laughs> um like I thought the aliens were actually really pretty good in this movie, especially the ones on the island. I was pleased. They it felt Star Wars. Ricky, what would you think? Yeah, I in the end, uh, well, you, you mean the porgs? I, I like the porgs; they were fine. Uh, especially like they were, they were uneventful, right? They didn't do anything other than be sad that Chewbacca was eating one of them. Um, I thought that that scene was a little ridiculous, right? Maybe cut that, uh, but I thought it was funny. It just, I don't know, I, for a movie that was was the longest Star Wars. There was a lot that could have been cut. Like, that's my one of my biggest issues with the movie was, as a film, there was a lot that, that could have used a better editor. But it was still a lot of good stuff. Anyway, so, uh, I think uh, we're mostly good, right? I mean, do we have any other more Last Jedi points that we absolutely have to make? Nope, I'm looking forward to the next one. All right, so, so, guys, I, I I'm curious here. All right, so I know we did, I know we did the R5TK contest, and I, uh, I, I, I've got a couple of those. So, uh, but I want to do, I want to do a Horton contest again. <laughs> you guys are bastards. No, we need more R5TK, man. We need we need more submissions. 
All right, so we're, we're for this one, we're handing out a uh, mat, right? We've still got an extra mat, don't we? Yep. Are we out? Dice tray. We got one last cool. one. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to do a dice tray for this one. So these dice trays are really, really nice. So I still want to see a little bit more R5TK just so we give you guys a little bit more opportunity. Um, and we'll go from there. Anyways, uh, why don't we wrap this up, guys? Do you have any shout-outs you want to give before uh, we wrap this up? And just to our Patreon. Mm-hmm. All right, so yeah, so let's go ahead and thank the uh, Black Sun Patreons. Let's thank Matthew Williams, Seth Dunlap, Tim LeBeau, Michael Doe, Mark Tippett, Dad Mark Tippett. Don't forget about the uh, uh, Battletech in the will, Dad. Just, just remember. Uh, Jonas Malapos, Mike Carpenter, Steve Harvey, Matt Manvroides, Matt Foss, Christopher, Joy, uh, Christopher George, Ethan Ward, uh, Orpheus, Brian Lindenwood, Hassan Khan, Matt the Mighty Newt, Logan, Campaign, Guido Kessels, Gregory Nussbaum, and Hannah Penguin. Uh, let's go ahead and say for uh, Lyle Hayers, better known as Sosin, and Blair Bunky, better known as Scruffy, and Rosa White, uh, from Liberia. Uh, thank you, Black Power.